This is exactly right. Scotty. Curdy B. Good to hear your voice. I'm glad to see your face. Here you go. Ooh, mama. We are pleased to inform you there are probably dinosaurs on the moon. <laughs> what? I really didn't think you were going that way at all. That is <laughs> bananas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bananas, the littlest, mm-hmm. tiniest mm-hmm. strange news podcast in America. Probably. That's Scotty Landis. That's Kurt Curdy B. Brownoler, my main dude. And uh, we have a guest who is a friend. I like the friend episodes the most. Um, oh, me You know too. what I mean? Yep. I love the uh, experts, but I really love the friends. Who doesn't? They are an award-winning comedian and actor and have a brand new comedy album out right now called Pull Yourself Up By Your Bootleg. Please welcome the inimitable Rhea Butcher. (laughs) Hey! What's up, you guys? It's so great to be here. What an intro. We're happy to have you. (laughs) As you said that, I was like, I'm not an award winner. And then I was like, oh, no, I actually am. That's weird. (laughs) Good for you. I think I got one. I got one. You know? so that's that's more than most of I didn't say awards winning. You did. I said award winning. <laughs> you said you're accurate. You're accurate, Kurt. Accurate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love um, it. I'm so glad to be here. So fun. So good to, to see you. Welcome to Bananas. Rhea, I got to say, I, got, I can give you a real comedian compliment. Uh, I don't know the first time we met. It might have been at a hot tub at one of the Kurt and Kristen shows. But... You were instantly nice and cool, and I knew that we were going to be buds, which is rare for when the first time you meet a lot of comedians, especially backstage. When you're not a stand-up, there's always sort of that weird gap, but I didn't feel it with you. I had a feeling we would get along just fine. Very true. That's so great, and we have. Swimmingly, I would say. Here we go. (laughs) Famously. Swimmingly. (laughs) Famously. Famously. Tell us about, when did the album come out? Uh, The album came out on the 5th of February. Which I think was a Friday, you know, so just just recently. And um Not off the presses. I was lucky to have a recording sort of that I didn't realize I was gonna need. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Oh cool. Yeah. Um, and uh because I famously, famously to me, don't uh, mm-hmm. take those things up for whatever reason when I'm like working out material. I'm like, nah, you still right, let, right. let the opener do it, and I'm like Never saying no to that again. Like, why exactly. Why would I say no to this? It's so silly. But right. um, luckily, like, had a good, a decent recording from Denver Comedy Works. Uh, oh, from the best place pre- to play in America. Yeah, such We're a great coming for spot. you, Denver. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it worked. And I reached out to Ryan McMenamin. and I was like, first of all, I was going to see if some voice memos would work on my phone. Because possible. And then he was like, yeah, this yeah. one doesn't work. Then I sent him that one. He was like, this one's great. Let's do it. And then just like the whole sort of like bootleg vibe of it fell in after that. And um, cool. I'm really glad it came out because it's like really not a really great to be able to release something in the right now. And then yes. um, 
it's just a live show. It's not, I didn't walk on that stage with the intention of putting it out as a recording. So it oh, has. Oh, that's really cool. A yeah, that's a good idea. I like that. Feeling, you know, and it's all retroactive, but um, totally lucked out. And people have been responding really well to it that it's just like fun and funny, which is like, Amazing. hey, the best compliment you want as a comedian. Like, yeah. it's actually yep. kind of nice to just put out an album of jokes <laughs> and not have it be like, <laughs> this one's got to change the comedy scene, you know, whatever. I agree. And just like put the jokes out there and move on and like work on the ones that I still like and like just kind of, you know, keep it flowing or whatever. I agree. I love that approach so much. I and also too. that idea of like giving like being less precious, I yeah, think is 100%. so critical. Yeah, in that phrase was too. about to come out of my mouth, Kurt. I could- yeah. <laughs> it is really cuz it is. It's like when at the end of the day it's just like these are all goofs. You know, if you listen yeah. to a comedy album from 1972, barely, barely 10% of it fucking even makes sense anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Comedy is disposable, you know? Yeah. And yes, sometimes it does change the world, but 99.9999999% of the times, it's just fun. It's just fun. And I also, Kurt, like to think of that as changing the world because, like, how. And, and I don't think, you know, we're not out, like, in the street, whatever, but I, I do think it's important to give people. And this was, was my approach to touring when I made, put this mm-hmm. album out, is like. I'm going to give people 60 minutes of fun to the best, you know, as as much within 60 minutes. And I'm because like, man, is that what we need? Is that what what everybody deserves? And like, if I can give somebody 60 minutes off from even just their own problems, just their own trouble for a day, if I can do that job, like, wow, please, please let me do that job. You know, like I, I, that is the the job that I want. That's the attitude. It's hard out there to be a human being. It's hard. Very difficult. It's so difficult. (laughs) Especially right now. Especially right now. Especially right now. And so if you can do that, like, please, please do it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, so I'm just very grateful to get to do that. It's, and you, and the the preciousness of it, I think, I hope that we move into a a sort of new era where, because somebody brought this up to me the other day of like the, got to have a new hour a year and you got to throw it away immediately and i i hope we can find a little middle ground where like yeah i think we have yeah i think it's it's changed a little bit so it's like cool let's everybody just have fun i don't know yes you know Yes, that is what that is what we do here. Bananas. You are on the correct podcast. <laughs> I'm in the right place. We take yeah. nothing seriously except yeah. private Venmoing. You have to Venmo <laughs> privately. It's the only that is the only oh. issue that we stand up for. Yes. I, yeah. I turned that thing on private so fast. When I found out it was a possibility, I was like, I'm finding this. I'm old, and it's going to take me a long time, but I'm setting aside the Saturday to figure it out. Because, like, nobody needs to know. Nobody needs to know. Yes, we don't need to know. Mind your Who cares if you're paying Diane for lasagna? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Tell us a story about dinosaurs on the moon, on Mars? The moon. We are pleased to inform you there are probably dinosaur remains on the moon. Whoa, Hmm. cool. Remains. Okay, strap. Mm-hmm. This is from I fucking love science. Yeah. Uh, this one was found by Curdy B. <laughs> what? Nobody sent this one in. Nope. Uh, 
This is by James Felton, and this came out January 18th, 2021. Strap in, because this is a weird one. Thank okay. you, James. Best Thanks. in the biz. Absolutely. Thanks to a glorious piece of science writing that has been shared online over the last few days, people are now learning what astrophysicists and possibly astronauts have known for a long time. Ooh. There are most likely tiny chunks of dinosaurs sitting up there on the moon. <laughs> okay. Okay. And this is, and at fa- first I was like reading this, I was like, this is, a, what? And then as I read it, I, I realized like I had, this is like very much a part of a lo- like a eight month period of my life. Okay. Because this was, this was the subject. The reason all this stuff is here is, okay, we all know dinosaurs <laughs> died. Dinosaurs <laughs> died from, uh, R. I. P. from an asteroid, right? R. I. I guess P. so. <laughs> asteroid hit, but. Um, so I did an episode of Radio Lab that was all about this, and we toured with it live. So oh, I would have oh, been doing stand up. Wow! Yeah. So I and I love Radio Lab. And so I love much. Radio Lab so, so much. Oh, God, it's, <laughs> it's so, so good. good. And I was so tickled to be invited. So I did like eight <laughs> or so ten cool. cities with them. Wow! And this was the the subject of the entire show is how this happened. And so I have a, too much detail. So you tell me when I've gone into too much detail about Am how I allowed there's dinosaur to take a pieces guess? on the moon. Mm-hmm. Yes, Before you, you do it. Okay, great. Because this is just yes. my oh, guess. I love this. From yeah. like growing up with Mr. Wizard, listening to Radio Lab, those kinds of mm-hmm. things, not having any sort of science degree whatsoever. <laughs> I would just imagine that the impact of the asteroid created the moon itself <laughs> you know because the moon is just a cool thing in orbit around our earth you know like it's not like yes. whatever so like it or e- either that or the impact of the asteroid on the earth blew everything out into space I like that and, and Pitch thus, too. the remains of the dinosaurs are on the moon so those are my two uh yes hypotheses is that the scientific yes i love say? these hypotheses <laughs> uh the second one is it okay oh, uh, the first one the moon was created by an asteroid hitting the Earth, but it was way before Different the one. dinosaurs existed. Oh, oh that um, makes sense. Because, of course, the moons would, or the dinosaurs would experience the moon, because otherwise... Okay, right, cool. Anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but here's something that's really interesting about... This, this is the thing that's fa- fascinating, because we always assumed asteroid hits the Earth, and then, like... Uh, soot goes into the air Love and then it soot, becomes baby. cold, right? And then it's an ice age and then they all, all the dinosaurs die because of an ice age, right? Sure. That's what like, we've always imagined to I'll be go true. With that. But what they actually now think, and this is why there's dinosaur pieces on the moon, is that this asteroid was uh, larger than Mount Everest and it was traveling at so fast that it, it goes from like a cruising altitude of a plane to ground zero in 0.03 Ooh. seconds. So it's moving so big and it's moving so fast that it pushes the atmosphere out of the way huh. as it comes in and then hits with so much force and pressure, immediately liquefying the, the mantle of the earth. Yes. Whoa. Which then... Imagine like a water droplet if, when it. you see it like on three, two, one contact, yeah. contact when the water droplet would hit. The reason, reason. It's, <laughs> the it's the answer. Why everything, everything happens. Contact. <laughs> contact. Contact. Ne- I don't remember that show at all. Never seen it. Never <laughs> seen it. Not but one remember time. like the slow motion water dripping hitting uh-huh. and then it would go in and then the sides would come up and shoot back up. Of course. I so do. that's what happens to the actual earth. Okay. Uh. And then it shoots out into space. Bazinga. Some of the 
you know, some of it hits the moon. Splash. But the overwhelming majority of it is these tiny, tiny, tiny little particles. And then that immediately goes into orbit around the Earth. And they're like crystallized rock and stuff like that. And then... All of that mass, which is like enough mass, like the size of Mount Everest, but in tiny little particles, then starts entering the atmosphere and the friction from it entering the atmosphere immediately makes the temperature of the air like 5,000 degrees. And all of the dinosaurs (laughs) die within one fucking hour. That's probably good for them, though. Less pain. That is like the, that's the newest yeah. like that's the newest theory which blows my mind that we always thought it like took a really long time and it looks like the dinosaurs died like on one day specifically and we wow. will so one too. day there were dinosaurs and then there was one day there was not dinosaurs anymore wow so anyway that's 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 wild. my excitement about that theory I love that and then there's also some on the moon cool <laughs> and then also on the moon <laughs> very cool. <laughs> Um, that's so we rarely wild. get deep into science like that i love it yeah it's super I cool can... and that's what i love about science too is that it, and and i feel like now what in the world people feel as though science is like this immutable it can never change and like yes. that is the point of science yes. actually is that you continue to look it's like you observe and you remain curious about yeah even the thing you've feel as though you've proven you still have yes. never really proven anything that's you right know, it's yeah. like there's still more to find out because like what it's if like, it we're wasn't? like then we would yeah. just all be like never mind life is pointless <laughs> yeah no we're living through it right now all the i mean time. like how much the information changes on what you're even supposed to do when you go to a store <laughs> right you're like why does this keep changing and you're just like oh it's science that's oh, the right. way it works it's science because everything it's... is always changing all the time that's yeah. right. It's like Madonna. It just reinvents itself every three to five years, and we all get excited right. about it. Um, <laughs> for some reason, Kurt, when you were talking about like the size and the scale, and I can take this away from science and dumb this podcast right back down. I was with yes. Carl, our good friend, one uh, love Carl, a longtime friend of the show. Used to do a sketch comedy show with, with him called Hot Dogs. Very funny friend. We went to a movie in Brooklyn. Uh, at the J Street Borough Hall, like that big movie theater that was there. And I think it was the second new Batman, which is like Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises or one of those, one of the newer ones. And it was packed. It was like opening weekend and he was pumped. And in New York, as opposed to Los Angeles, they don't have assigned seating. And we were running a little late. We go up three escalators. And we the only place to sit was like that front row that has the yeah. bar and the railing in front of it which is actually okay because uh-huh. you can put your feet it's on the railing spot. it yeah. ain't yeah. bad but directly behind our seats are these two guys that i think were brothers like late 30s very large men and they had dumped their popcorn on their chests no. so no, no. their popcorn <laughs> was like they had spilled it onto their chest and they're wearing like jackets or whatever and then they would like just eat it off their chest like they're uh, between like their bag yeah, like a feedback between their large. So they would just lick. They would not use their hands. They, they would I, just lick. I think lick they their... would, but then they. It was like they had these bulbous, <laughs> giant pectorals, not muscular. But then they would like that V. If you can imagine, like a polo shirt full of uh, popcorn. And so, as soon oh, as the movie psyched. starts, they're commenting on everything, and uh. and I'm patient. I can I can handle that for two or three years. Uh, Carl <laughs> is instantly furious. Instantly oh, Carl, furious. Right. And yeah. they're doing things. Oh, it was the one with uh, it was the one with the Joker. So it starts. 
and these guys are doing this. Oh, it's Batman. And then the Batmobile <laughs> no. will come up and they'll go, oh, it's the Batmobile. <laughs> and they're directly behind us. And I can feel Carl white knuckling the, the seat of uh, the armrest. Really? And then it's literally like, oh, it's Wayne Manor. And then you see the Joker. <laughs> and they're going, oh, that's the Joker. To each other. Pack theater. So I'm feeling like at some point, Carl's going to yell something. Like, I could feel the... You know when a friend is fuming. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They get to a scene probably 20 minutes in the movie, 15 minutes in the movie, and they're at Wayne Enterprises. They're at the building, and they open this door, and you just see this lacquered black table that's maybe 50 chairs long. And the guy behind us goes... Oh, that's a big table. (laughs) (laughs) And Carl just explodes into laughter. Carl just starts laughing so hard. I start laughing so hard because now the tension's gone. They're so stupid. Oh, that's a big table. And it totally diffused the situation. Uh, But it was just like, yeah, these guys know a long table when they see one. Man, let us all take a lesson from from old popcorn coats. Yeah. Just appreciate, <laughs> just appreciate every moment Enjoy of your it. life. Enjoy oh. this table, man. long table. Fucking appreciate how long <laughs> that table is. That's the that's the that's the what we learned from seeing Soul. Yes, you know? uh, every moment. Right. Oh, man. That makes me so happy. All right. Let me give you guys another story, if you don't mind. Um, This is a quickie, but a funny. Uh, This was sent in by underscore Mayan Siv. Thank you, underscore Mayan Siv. We got this from a few people today, Kurt. You might have seen it on the DMs. Uh, And it was written by Alicia Caldwell for the Wall Street Journal. I've heard of it. Best in the biz. Alicia takes other people's stories and turns them into poetry. At border, customs work includes taking a lot of baloney. So, literally baloney. Customs and border protection official Chad Gerber spends much of his time overseeing the hunt for dangerous products travelers try to sneak into the United States. Among the most popular, Mexican bologna. In November, his team in El Paso, Texas, stopped a car and seized 154 pounds of Mexican bologna in 14 rolls hidden behind the back seat of a Chevrolet pickup. A CBP officer had spotted the tops of the red packaging poking out. Quote, it's hard to hide that much baloney, said Mr. Gerber. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> you got it. Um... Mr. Also, Gerber. the easiest thing to smuggle that a dog can smell. Yes, is just right away. Rolls of baloney. Even an untrained dog. Even like Even a not a regular dog. <laughs> I think it might like give it away by the trail of dogs following you because of all your baloney. <laughs> just like a... <laughs> too easy. It's too easy, guys. Um, it's hard to hide that much baloney, said Mr. Gerber. He's one of the CBP's top two agricultural officials in El Paso. He estimates that he has seized thousands of pounds of Mexican baloney over his 21 years with the agency. Wow. 
So, and then they searched the car more, and this guy also had a suitcase full of bologna, too. This dude was trying to get a serious amount of <laughs> wow. Mexican bologna. And the concern is, is there are meat, there are diseases uh, and bacteria in, in even meat that, if they brought in, could do mm-hmm. great damage to American agriculture. But following department protocol, officers took the meat, 154 pounds, 14 frozen rolls, to a local incinerator and burned it. So El Paso, if you smell burning bologna, don't call the cops. It's uh, we're, They're protecting you. You're being protected. Yeah. Here's my question. Is it super delicious? It must be incredibly it- delicious, and people have a great desire for because otherwise why is he bringing that much bologna over right right yeah i yeah that's gotta be there there has to be some sort of demand for it whether it's just specifically that guy or his his neighbors it's like a girl scout cookie thing like everybody's like i gotta get that mexican bologna yeah like it's like mexican coke you know it's like everybody prefers mexican coke because it's got real sugar I've had Mexican Coke. I never really noticed a big difference. I don't drink a ton of a soda, yeah. a ton of pop yeah. as uh, as like a daily thing. But I've never really noticed a difference. And also, bologna feels so American to me. I don't know if it started if it was a European thing or something. But I would never have guessed that bologna was popular <laughs> in Mexico. I don't also, know why. Is there is there a difference between the meat bologna and the meat? Bologna. Well, this B-O-L-O-G-N-A. is spelled Bologna. Yeah, this is Bologna. Yeah. Oh, it is Bologna. But isn't no, isn't Bologna? Isn't that a place? So didn't it come? Didn't didn't it specifically come from a place? And like, Must I have. love that whoever lives in Bologna is like, it's another the Bologna. They're screaming in their cubicle right now. <laughs> we are aware that you don't pronounce it Bologna. Guys. Yes, we are very aware it's Bologna. We understand. Yeah, you know what? I f- I understand this. I understand this because in New Jersey. In central New Jersey, where I'm from, and if anyone is from New Jersey, there is a war that goes on between (laughs) south and north, and that they claim central New Jersey does not exist. Central does exist. It has its own culture. The south is Pioneers, and the north are New Yorkers, and in central is the beach, and that's us. Okay. And we have pork roll, which the north calls Taylor ham, and the south and the central call pork roll, and you just can't get it anywhere. It does not exist outside of New Jersey. Describe it Uh, for us, Kurt. It is a circle, a meat product. <laughs> it is. It, it's a perfect yep. circle. Yeah. It is a perfect circle meat product that's usually cut uh, just by, like a quarter. A quarter of it is cut so that it fries flat. Mm-hmm. And then you fry it, and then you put it on an egg and cheese. So yes. it's a pork roll egg and cheese. is a classic Jersey pork roll egg and cheese on a Kaiser bun. Also a ween song that's very good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I am Spicy. looking for it right now because, like, my birthday's coming up and I just want to have get a pork, you pork roll, roll. Egg and cheese. Oh, done. That's easy. That's right up it's, my wheelhouse. I have looked it up. I'm you can it. only get it shipped in three pound increments. Fine. <laughs> and I do not. I do not want three pounds of pork roll. <laughs> That's what is, you say it's now. It's a heart attack. And yeah. then you have three pounds of pork roll at your door, and you're like, this was a good idea, actually. Yeah. <laughs> in- no, but I, I found a place. There's a Huntington Meats uh, down in Huntington. Has it? And I'm going to go get a pork roll egg and cheese on my birthday. Oh, Look my goodness. I'll get it Happy for birthday. you. I'll bring it up. <laughs> Thank you. Come on. I'll smuggle it into Mexico and back out. That's how much I'm dedicated. I'm driving pork <laughs> roll it- into Mexico and back out. And I'm going to get some Z-Packs for everybody, too. My bench seat in my Chevy Silverado. Is there a uh, Cleveland, is there a Cleveland, Ohio delicacy? Is there something y'all are known for there? 
Well, I'm not from Cleveland, Scotty. I oh, I thought you were. You. I'm you. sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. That's my that's my some of my sports fandom, Cleveland. I, stuff, but but I have as as a true Akron knight, as Akron knight, as, yeah. as we go by, it's very weird. Um, mm-hmm. I have to say, I'm not from Cleveland. Like that is like a main. It's I'm with such you. A thing. Even <laughs> it's the main. Even, the even main LeBron thing. does it because they're like, "Oh, you're from Cleveland." He's like, "I'm from Akron." <laughs> like, Got it's very, it. <laughs> it's very much a thing because Akron was like a bigger city than Cleveland at one point. Like, oh, really? Dur- during the industrial, like around the 30s and 40s, um, mm-hmm. just because of Akron's like rubber dominance, uh, it was like a big, it was a big, big thing. Nobody then, rubbers know, like Akron. Not so much. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, it's so silly. We're known as the rubber cap. Well, we call ourselves the rubber capital of the world, and don't see the irony of that at all, or like the joke no. of, like, that there's any sure. sort of like high pregnancy new- rates across tired. the board in Akron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like Akron. I don't know that we have something as specific as like that sandwich, Kurt. You know, Pork but roll. Uh-huh. Um, we do have this thing. The first thing that's coming to my mind is something <laughs> called chicken and JoJo's. Is that a I thing? I mean, that's that you it. Guys- no! no, I don't know what that <laughs> is. Because <laughs> <That is. laughs> like, I I grew up. I, I'm still a vegetarian. I grew up as a vegetarian, but I'm still aware it's such a thing in Akron, Ohio, that because you would go to a fried chicken house, like they're just, uh-huh. that's what they would call. That's what they're called in Akron. And ev- like every family in Akron has like an allegiance to a specific chicken house, you know, like in right. this one town <laughs> that was like where all the chickens were grown. You know, it's like just so wild, yeah. but um. The the side that comes with them is not French fries. It's like a wedge potato that's like spiced and still has like some of the uh, skin on it, you know. And it's ooh, like uh-huh. it's it's like a fried ooh, potato, ooh, but ooh, it, it has ooh, like a little bit of spice to it. And mm. they're called JoJo's, and it's yeah. it's very specific to Akron, I think, and maybe northeastern and it, Ohio. But that sounds good. They're very and good. is it like is it fried in the same oil that the chicken is fried in? So it has that kind of like chickeny flavor. I to think it? some places, but I've never had that because we were very like kept it yeah. as Strict separate as it, possible. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think so, many of those places do do that. <laughs> chicken, chicken JoJo's, chicken and JoJo's. Chicken and JoJo's. Next time I go to Casey Akron, and JoJo's, and I listen to Devo and get some chicken That's and JoJo's right. when I'm in Akron. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, Kurt! Do you want to tease us up into our hot, hot, hot commercial break? Yes, please. Tease us, yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> That's a big table. Yes, it is a big table, guys. Yes, Thank you so big. much for that. Uh, we'd like to enjoy the movie now. And yes, that nurse is the Joker. Okay. <laughs> it was incredible. Oh man, I'm gonna do this one. <sighs> Even though. I know what the I know what the complaint will be about this title. Who but cares? I don't care. <laughs> the hero, the hero who saved lives by pumping hydrogen gas into his own anus. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we've done one of these, Kurt. Yep. Wow! I gotta love it. Wow. All right, we'll be right back. Bananas. Yes, we are. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to remind everybody, <laughs> if you could do us this favor, do we it, would please. appreciate it. Go right now. Yes. While you're listening, mm-hmm. even if you're driving, I don't care. Yeah, we don't <laughs> care. We're reckless. 
and you go to Apple Podcasts, you give us a little rate and review, okay? It matters. We don't understand why, no. but it somehow matters. Five stars would be suspect. We wish it didn't, but it yes. totally matters. Yes. They got us by the pork rolls over here, so please, five stars. They got um, you by the chicken and JoJo's. Yeah, they got yeah, they do. They got us by the JoJo's. Uh, please do leave a review. Tell your friends. You can send us your um, your own stories for our mini sods to the bananas podcast at gmail.com or you can DM them or you can text them to the uh, mint mobile banana phone that I'm still answering and it is getting out of control, but I do love it. 213 214 7974. Um, oh, Kurt, I do have one banana, uh, banana phone caller, banana animal named Brandon called. We had actually a nice conversation, and he asked me to say something. We haven't done this yet. I'm not going to get in the habit of doing this, but Brandon was so nice, loves the podcast. Brandon in New Jersey wants to tell his partner, Todd, that he loves him to death. <laughs> And so, Beauties. Brandon and Todd, you're cute. Yeah, they're handsome. They sent me a picture when they were in Southern California before the Great Quar. Love is in the air. And also, I, w- I will do this because uh, a gentleman by the name of James Dubeck uh, messaged us right. uh, on Instagram at the Bananas Podcast. You can yes. go there right now. We'll message us. We'll, we'll respond. It's me and Scotty. Uh, it <laughs> takes hours every single day. Yeah, it's killing us uh, slowly. It's <laughs> but we do respond to every single message. So uh, he, he wrote this. He said, hey, guys, I wrote this article. It's more cute than funny, but possibly up your alley. And it's for NPR. Title, eight-year-old calls out NPR oh. for lack of dinosaur stories. I saw that. <laughs> yes. And James wrote that article. Let's do you it guys next. You go check it out. Let's uh, do it. You know what? That's a banana. That's a banana. I'll do it after it this one. You do the gas up the butt. I'll do eight-year-old calls out NPR. How about that? Okay, great. I love it. <laughs> do you guys want to hear about... Wait, Rhea. Yeah. Rhea, anything, anything. You got this album. Yes. I'm very excited. Where can people go get the album? Oh, yeah. I mean, people can get it so <laughs> many places, Kurt. So many that I was even surprised when it came out that it came out <laughs> in so many places. Um, you can get it uh, on Apple Music. It's on Tidal. It's on Heard of it. Pandora. What's the best way? Which What's the the best way to get it i mean i think i think there's a couple best ways and the best way is like apple music whatever yeah. it's called now because there, there's like a chart <laughs> yeah. and stuff mm-hmm. which is great um but also my friend and i feel like maybe there was one over here but it's not it doesn't matter this isn't a visual podcast my friend okay. Lindsay jones that made the album art she also <laughs> made a little enamel pin that you can get for 10 bucks on a special thing records.com and nice. then you get that little pin, and then you also get the download when you buy it. So that's just like a cool thing. It just says my name. It's a cool I love font. That. My friend made it. It's just like a fun, fun, cool thing, you know? Go that's get beautiful. the pin at a special thing.com, which is a great uh, comedy record. Great label, comedy guys. label. Are you ready to hear about this hero? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, gas us up, big boy. I can't wait to hear about this butt guy. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is great. Again, this is from. IFL science. I fucking love science. Mm-hmm. My favorite, apparently, apparently, source for for science. Um, and this was sent in by Magzio. Magzio. Thank you, Magzio. Thank you, Magzio. Um, medical. Oh, this is written by, of course, the inimitable, the resplendent. No, no credit. Come on. No credit. No credit. <laughs> My hip hop name. So it's just written by 
Professor I fucking love science. There we uh, go. Medical history is full of unsung heroes who put in that little bit extra effort for science and humanity with different degrees of success. Take, for example, okay. 19th century American doctor mm. Stubbins Firth. <laughs> Scotty, if there is not a character in your next movie called Stubbins Firth, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Who believed... That yellow fever wasn't an infectious disease and set out to prove it in the most disgusting manner imaginable. First, he collected various fluids from the infected. He then made a wound in his arm and poured in some vomit before pouring it into his eyeball and then drinking it. After not being infected, he moved on to experimenting with patients' blood, saliva, and urine. Of course, it turned out it was an infectious disease. There we go. He didn't get ill, but only because he had collected his fluids from patients in the last stages of the disease when it was no longer infectious. He'd been chugging puke for absolutely no reason at all. (laughs) Now, now that is so enjoyable. That is the amuse-bouche yes. of this article. That's yes. not even about the guy who pumped hydrogen up his butt. Oh, okay? no. Yeah. That's, just, that's just a different guy, okay? A different weirdo yes. who makes you really think, like, I think we'd all be great doctors back in the day. Like, if you were a scientist in yes. the 1890s, you'd do whatever you want. Yes. Um, yeah. So here. Then there's Dr. Nicholas Sen, an okay. absolute hero who focused on chugging from the opposite end, so to speak. <laughs> Let's not beat about the bush. He pumped a large amount of hydrogen gas into his anus, yeah. all in the name of medicine. Sure. Now. Yeah, in the name of medicine. Very long That's article. right. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very long article. I am not going to read all of it. Okay. To you. It also features some like upsetting like ways that they used to do science back in the day. Yes. Uh, the end thing is basically it's for gunshot wounds uh, during the Civil War. Yes. And once you had a gunshot wound in the intestines, you pretty much were going to die. But if you could find out exactly where Ooh. the wound was, then you could actually operate on that specific part and possibly save I get you. <laughs> so what yes. he came up with, yes. his plan, yes. was to inflate the intestine with hydrogen gas, mm-hmm. the the only flammable gas he could choose. <laughs> the most the flammable choice. gas around. The most flammable gas. The Hindenburg gas. Oh, as the it humanity. You know what I mean? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so it uh so he essentially it just makes you feel like bloated, essentially. Mm. Yeah, this is the same way that I would find leaks in my inner tube tires to my yes. bicycle when I <laughs> yes, was. Yes, exactly. Kid. In your snow tube. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um so the first per- the first patient with a gunshot wound, he tried it on. A 27-year-old man who had been shot with a pistol did not survive. However, it did prove to be a useful tool in locating wounds, saving many, many lives Good before X-ray technology became widespread, meaning the wounded no longer had to be inflated via the <sighs> rectum. Oh, bummer. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of a, a kind Scotty, of a, kind of a, a good, good time. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> surprising yeah you know we take a lot of things for granted we take a lot of things for granted these days (laughs) we really do no kidding like that's the i just love that like again we were talking about it about how science just continually like changes and stuff like that but it really was just like just you try whatever like come up with a fucking crazy (laughs) idea 
and then just do it on yourself. I mean, what's crazy yeah. is in 50 years from now, somebody's going to yes. be having the same podcast about what yes, we're doing does. right now, being like, can you believe what they used to do in 2021? <laughs> yes, that's really, <laughs> really, really so true nuts. and scary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's super. Like, can you believe people used to interact with each other? Wow. what? <laughs> can you even believe that? <laughs> God. They used to eat bologna. They used to interact with each other. <laughs> used to talk to each other. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and it's just people floating in the ether with their like Tesla communication or whatever. I think it'll just be thinking. something like that. Yeah, we're like, all just uh, a bunch of Doctor Manhattans <laughs> up on oh, separate moons. <laughs> I wish. Sometimes it feels like that right now in its own weird way, know, right? It really does. It but does I feel like we're all on our separate moons. I get what he was going for. Like I, I think that's like it's. I could see, and if he saved lives, like, good for him. It must have been a really interesting conversation with anybody who had just gotten shot in the stomach to be like, I know you're in a lot of pain. Can you roll over and uh, close your mouth and pinch your nose for me? Because it's about to get weird back here. You know the Hindenburg, over here right? is going to get your ears, so don't worry about the ears. <laughs> Trust me. I'm going to light this cigarette. Nothing can go wrong. <laughs> you know people yes, were definitely the, smoking all the oh, time oh, absolutely you know? and also yeah. the the lighting was all lamps like they didn't have electricity oh, right. <laughs> oh yeah. not, not like we so do now right. <laughs> just surrounded by fire just like bring that lantern Dante's over Inferno. <laughs> oh mm-hmm. wowza well, i guess right. he carterized it in his own way that's Oof. um gosh i actually this is funny we're gonna have a lot of overlap because we have the dinosaur story coming, and then there was a Civil War story coming. We're just, this is a tight episode of Bananas. We're yeah. keeping this very, it's very It's a tight inside. hydrogen butthole inflated episode of Bananas. Just like really <laughs> yes. taut, taut. <laughs> the worst pain I ever felt was I got shot in the finger with a pellet gun when I was young. I was probably 10 or 11 or so, and I lied about it and said that I got a pinch between a fence, and then I went back and played, uh, I was on the lacrosse team at the time, and I like, it just hurt so bad. I got checked in the hand, and it was like, it just white out pain. Ooh. And finally, I admitted to my parents so while my mom was watching an episode of Frasier that I had lied and then I got <laughs> shot in the finger. And we went, we got an x ray, and you could see the pellet was still in my index finger. Oh, so wow. it was about a week or two had gone by, it had healed over. So the only way to get it out correctly and not screw up my left index finger was a plastic surgeon. So we went to a plastic surgeon, and the guy had to put like nine needles in my fingertip and the webbing of my fingers. So when you're a kid, and I like bit the bullet, like I. I just like uh, clenched my teeth and like it was horrible. But the guy, the doctor was very funny because when he got it out, he goes, do you mind if I drop this on a tin tray? And I'm like still in, now my hand's numb, but I'm still in the pain of surgery. And I was like, no, that's fine. And I think my dad was like, why? He was like, it's just kind of like taking a bull out in the Civil War. I've always wanted to do this. And he (laughs) dropped it on a tin and it went tink. And he goes, you're fine. He sewed me back up. I still have a scar, but not bad. And then he put it in a little vial and he was like, I, I don't think he offered for me to keep it. I think he kept it on file. But his whole thing is he always wanted to drop a bullet on a tin. So he got, I made a wish come true. Wow. I lied to my parents and made a wish come true. So there's a good moral to that story. Wow. That's amazing, actually. It was cool. And I remember the ting, but like by that point, I, had, I was like stressed out and numbed up. So it was like, just get me some McNuggets and it get is so me funny. home. Get me out of here. 
It is always like a a, a metal tin that they're taking bullets and throwing them into. (laughs) Even if you don't see it, you just hear that noise. You're like, oh, they took the bullet out. Yeah, Foley. You know, like it's so... Foley artists are really into that. They're like, it has to be. You have to hear it. We have to know where the bullet went. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I still have my... I I shot myself in the leg with a BB gun. I still have it in there. Oh, cool. I just left it. And it doesn't set anything off. I can do MRIs. It, probably my body ate it at yeah. this point. Yeah, it ate it. Um, you've never had iron deficiency or copper deficiency in your whole life. <laughs> uh, I'll do that, James Dubeck. Let's do the James Dubeck. Yeah. I think this is the animal. first time we've had a Bananimal write the story they sent in, right? I can't think of any yes. of the other ones. Yes. Congratulations. Uh, happened yet before. What an I honor also, to be on this episode, too. You know? <laughs> this is a very special episode of Bananas. <laughs> Um, (laughs) We sent this in from NPR. James Dobeck uh, wrote it. Uh, Eight-year-old calls out NPR for lack of dinosaur stories. An eight-year-old from Minneapolis recently pointed out a big problem with NPR's oldest news show, All Things Considered. Leo Shidla wrote to his local NPR station, My name is Leo, and I am eight years old. I listen to All Things Considered in the car with my mom. I listen a lot. I never hear much about nature or dinosaurs or things like that. Maybe you should call your show Newsy Things Considered, since I don't get to hear about all the things. Or please talk more about dinosaurs and cool things. Sincerely, Leo. Now, Leo has... I know, but good for that kid. And he wrote a letter. It's a dying art. Write more letters, send more postcards. Um, Leo has a point, all things considered is about to turn 50 years old. NPR's archivists uh, found the word dinosaur appearing in stories 294 times in the show's history. By comparison, the word senator, boo, has appeared 20,447 times. To remedy the situation, all things considered, invited Leo to ask questions about dinosaurs to Ashley Poust, Poust, a research associate with the San Diego Natural History Museum, and Leo wants to be a paleontologist when he grows up. It's good for you, Leo. I, I hope it sticks, Leo. I hope you become a paleontologist. I really do. I, I wanted to be a marine biologist. And Everybody then does. fourth grade killed it. Yep. Fourth grade, I was like, <laughs> yeah. man, man, math and science suck. I'm very bad at them. I am not doing this. Yes. <laughs> Turns out I just like to go swimming. <laughs> <laughs> I like wetsuits and dolphin shows. I don't care about <laughs> chemistry. I don't want to write you... all this stuff down. Yeah, What did you no. want to be when you were little, Rhea? Um... Man, I mean, that's a tough one because the only one I remember, and this is so silly, but I wanted to be an assistant manager of Joanne Fabrics because that's what my yes! mom yes. did. <laughs> Love it. Oh, that's so cute. Isn't that yes. the most like, adorably sad and adorable thing you've job. ever heard? It's a great that's job. That's the best. I it love is it. a great job. It is a great job. I can job. remember the smell of a Joanne fabric. Every Christmas, oh, yeah. I mean, every Halloween, you roll in there, you get that pirate print, you cut some pants. I get it. It's cool. Cut some pants, man. And those, like, the, the thread on the rolly thing, I would play with that all the time and just, like, that's looking at all the patterns and stuff. I mean, I grew up there. But, uh, I oh, mean, man. I, I just you... have always wanted to be an artist, which is, like, that it's yes. just... You know, and and I wanted to play basketball professionally. That was that was really what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, we had Sue Bird on, and I was a little starstruck. Sue Bird was maybe the only guest we've Dude. had on that I was like, oh, okay, we have the Hello. goat, and yeah, was, she was <laughs> yeah, so man. cool too. That's a great. She was oh, that's great. awesome. That's so cool. 
Um, have, have, speaking of Joanne Fabrics and of Cleveland, I mean, end of Ohio, yeah. have you heard Ramon Rivas's uh, joke about Joanne Fabrics? I feel like I have, and I'm just it's not... A re- very fun. It's yeah. a good joke. Ramon is so funny. Um, Ramon is so funny. Yeah. Another Ohio comedian. Yeah, another Shout o- out to Ramon. We he love Ramon. Um, it is cool. I do like how kids can cut like you so deep. Like Especially like eight eight-year-old, that's like a great yeah. age. Because yeah. like they are aware... And when they say something, they're like clocking you so, so hard. It's like they're insults. Yeah. Like if somebody walked up to me and was like, you're fat, I'd be like, no, I'm not. And I keep walking. I'm happy. If like a seven-year-old <laughs> looks at you and go, you're fat, you go like, oh, you're like, ha, ha, ha. And then like for two years, you, you think about it. You break bow flexes trying to get in shape. Um, <laughs> bow flexes. <laughs> my friend Clay in Atlanta, he uh, started Fellini's Pizza and La Fonda Pizza. And uh, there are very big chains in Atlanta. And he liked to try new <laughs> new cars when they came out. So, like, when I first met him in 2003, 2002, he had the Mini Cooper. He was the first person I knew that had a Mini Cooper. And it was fun. You'd hop in, and then you, it felt like you were getting a test drive. And while I knew him and while I was down there, he had a daughter <laughs> who or still has a daughter, but back then he did too. And <laughs> she was around this age. She was elementary school, early whatever, grade school. And he got a Honda Element. It was brand new. Those are the boxy ones. They're like a boxy SUV. Mm, I remember. Very and easy to th- steal the uh, carburetor or like the... Anyway, yes. whatever. I no, forgot. my neighbor just had his stolen. That's exactly yeah, right. My they, friend they was steal visiting the catalytic converter. The catalytic yeah, converter because you can get That's under a, there really easily. And yes. my, the Lindsay Jones that did the album art That's for my so funny. album was in town from... Like they drove from Colorado and... She had her catalytic converter stolen while she was visiting here. They had to replace Guys, it for three grand. Kurt. Gretchen, Lauren's mom, just had her catalytic converter Ugh. stolen three Prius? like a, a, a couple days ago. Prius, yeah. Yeah, Prius uh, and Elements are like the two, the top two catalytic converter things. Catalytic wow. converter stealing just is give, happening. Give people money and they will stop stealing things. You know what I mean? Like yeah. give people like a that. basic wage and they'll I'm stop with you. stealing your catalytic converter. It's very simple <laughs> yep. math here. Listen to them. <laughs> Hands down. So he gets this brand new and he's, his idea is he's going to pick up a brand new car and he's going to pick up his daughter from school and like wow her. So he gets this <laughs> Honda Element. He pulls into the bus loop out front of the school. So he bought it an hour before. Uh, pulls up alongside a bus. He said, <laughs> he told me this night at dinner. He goes, uh, or that night, he pulls up and this boy in the bus who's like six years old lowers the window. So like pinches it in and from the bus and goes, hey, Hard mister. And he rolls down the window and goes, your car is lame. You are lame. And then he goes, what? He goes, your car is lame. You are lame. Slides the window Slides back up. <laughs> Clay got rid of it three days later, went back to the Mini Cooper. It hit him so hard that his like daughter thought it was cool, but that kid's... <laughs> Your oh, car so is lame. Just right you in there. You are lame. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, but Leo is so right, much. though. He is fundamentally Absolutely. correct. His That's assessment right. is accurate. 200 right. and what, 52 times or something like that? Is yes. so few. That's not even a year. You know what I mean? No. That's not even a year yeah. of episodes. And like, no. Kurt, we, you, I mean, we just found out something new about dinosaurs because it's not yeah. just the dinosaurs. It's like, yeah, all this has. Like, dinosaurs have an effect on senators. Like, I can't get into it now. I can't give you the whole timeline. <laughs> I like Absolutely it. Absolutely, dinosaurs have an effect on senators. And if we don't I study agree. our history, we are doomed to repeat it. So I there stand with Leo 
and that we need more because he also says nature like yes, yes and cool we don't talk about dinosaurs in nature <laughs> and nature cool we're things. just gonna keep making the same mistakes you know what i mean so i never want to hear the word senator ever again i don't care <laughs> they can kiss my butt um, they get so much airtime already those blowhards you know what i mean yeah they can have it <laughs> and what? also, the, I love that his, like what drives him crazy about is the fact that it's called All Things Considered. Yeah. He's just sitting in the car going, if it's all things, give me some of the things that I give a shit about. <laughs> Pterodactyls. All right. You guys ready for this one? Give oh, yeah. us another story, Curdy B. This is wonderful. This is about, this is a beautiful story about a 15-foot-tall penguin. Okay. Um, so... This is from Tampa Bay Times. Heard of it. Uh, sent in by two different people. Wow. Anything Bones and mm-hmm. Rebecca Sell. They sent it in almost at the exact same time. Thank you, time. Rebecca. And Rebecca was like, have you gotten this one from anybody yet? And I was like, <laughs> one other person, but it was just in. So there beep, other people beep, might beep, have sent beep. this in. Mm-hmm. But you guys did a pretty good job. So uh, this is about a hero by the name of Tony Signorini. Okay. Okay. Uh, Tony Signorini, who died last year. This, of course, was written by Craig Pittman, who Ooh. is, Scotty. Easily the best in the biz. <laughs> now, uh, so this is back in uh, story behind the Signorini legacy dates to February 1948. Okay. When Clearwater was a sleepy village of 15,000 and the beaches were covered by sand and sea oats, not condos and t-shirts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Tampa Bay. Burn. Oh, yeah, Craig. Burn. I like what you're doing. Drag them. One morning, a beachgoer discovered strange three-toed footprints in the sand. Okay. They waded ashore, continued for two miles through the dunes, then disappeared back into the surf. The prints were huge, Mm -hmm. 14 inches long and 11 inches wide. Whoa. Whatever left them appeared to have a stride of four to six feet. Wow. Soon soon the mysterious tracks appeared on other beaches, from Honeymoon Island to St. Pete Beach. Local papers ran photos of patrolmen squatting over a big footprint looking (laughs) (laughs) That's what our first press photo, Kurt, should be you and me squatting over a giant footprint. That would be very old school... That old school, yes. like, clay mod. Yeah, we'll do that. And the, and the footprint should just be three giant bananas in this, that, you know? <laughs> Done. Like if three giant bananas were, like, yeah, like the, T-Rex the, the claws. Feet. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm skipping around because just the important parts. The reports attracted the attention of a New York zoologist named Ivan Sanderson, who, unlike most scientists, mm-hmm. quote, was always looking for something that would rocket him into stardom. There you <laughs> go. What a cool, humble so, dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, this guy, Sanderson, coined the term cryptozoology, actually, Whoa. meaning the search for legendary animals such as the Loch Ness Monster. Interesting. <laughs> On behalf of the New York Herald Tribune and NBC, Sanderson spent two weeks investigating what he called old three toes. He interviewed witnesses. They used to call me in high school, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you six reasons why. Um. (laughs) So this this scientist then, he concludes that this could not be a hoax. The impressions in the sand were too deep to have been made by man or machine. In fact, he said he'd seen the thing himself while flying over over the Suwani, old three toes was grayish yellow, about twelve feet long, with large flipper-like arms. It made big waves, as if kicking with powerful legs. Is it a swimming dinosaur? A giant alligator? No, Sanderson argued. It was a bird, a really big bird. The imprint is, quote, in fact, very much like that of a vast penguin. He wrote, although admitting the idea of a fifteen-foot-tall penguin in Florida sounded balmy. 
I think he's using that word incorrectly because balmy just means kind of like a nice temperature. Yeah, I don't mind a balmy temp. <laughs> kind of humid. Uh-huh. This is a balmy 15-foot-tall penguin. Um, so anyway. Yeah, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Uh, like Blarney or something or like bl- bl- Baloney, bl- perhaps. Maybe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll skip here. 30 years pass. Yes. In 1998, a Times reporter was interviewing a pair of local missionaries when they told her she should talk to Tony Signorini. Tony Longtime Signorini. friends of his, the Urs reporter asked what he was hiding. Oh. When the writer showed up at Signorini's automotive repair shop, he pulled a box from beneath his workbench and this. showed her a pair of feet. Yes. Iron ones with three toes yes there never was a giant penguin signorini was old three toes the whole thing had been a hoax dreamed up by his former boss Stephen al williams a notorious prankster they looked at a photograph of a dinosaur foot from national geographic and then made it to look like a dinosaur foot and then they like they like put shoes inside these iron things that each weighed 30 pounds they loaded them into a rowboat and then went into the gulf of mexico and then signorini slipped on the feet uh, of what he'd come to think I of Dinny the so dinosaur much. tied the sneaker laces then stepped out into shallow water and set off down the beach to create the illusion of a long stride signorini would stand on one leg swing the other one back and forth <laughs> to build momentum and <laughs> take a leap <laughs> Each foot weighed 30 pounds. Man. His son, try- Jeff, tried walking with them and just fell fell down immediately. Could you imagine um, the, the thighs on Tony Signorini oh, back then? God. Talk about what a bow flex, you know what yeah. I mean? That's huge, <laughs> dude. Yeah, just prank people Bonnie with giant 30-foot iron feet. Bonnie Blair is right. He's just speed skating through sand with 60 just pounds of dinosaur foot on Gliding him. along Tampa Bay, Clearwater, Florida. Oh, what I know. Isn't that balmy amazing? balmy place. Yeah. Man, so now some people are committed. Them. He died, unfortunately. He was 91. He um, lived. But it was in his obituary that wow. like, he was the monster from Clearwater. Uh, love this guy. Love Tony Sigmund. Banana of the week R. for R. sure. Banana, Banana of the week. <laughs> Banana of the week for Tony. It's Tony not even Quadzilla. split. It's Tony all the way. Yeah. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> that is so good. Bring a little Man, joy. I, Confuse people. They needed a story. We're talking about it years later. I love people later. that go out there to make people's lives more interesting. It's the best. That's yes. so much commitment, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yes. I respect the commitment <laughs> to doing And the all multiple of it. beaches. To like do it once he, he yeah. walked for two miles wow. through sand dunes with sixty pounds on. I mean, it's like it's beautiful. And it like is. boating into the Gulf of Mexico yes. with two thirty pound foot machines on you. Crazy. <laughs> the risk you're taking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even in a shallow one in a rowboat, and you're like, yeah, I'll just strap these to my feet. Where are we in the Gulf of Mexico? Everything's fine. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. What did people do before smartphones, Granddad? Well, <laughs> a lot. We did we a lot. We had time. We had time on our hands. That is for certain. I love that. There's a banana animal, and I hope this person writes me back. They sent this like seven months ago, but I think it was in northern Wisconsin. Their dad worked third shift at like a power plant, and he would 
play these speed he put amplifiers in his car and when he was driving to work at one or two in the morning he would blast the sound of a train passing and a train horn (laughs) so for a decade people called it like the ghost train of wisconsin and so please send that in if you're still listening to the pod i hope you are uh but that to me is like the perfect kind of prank too like yes he's waking everybody up that's a nightmare people have kids i get it but uh, also, it's hilarious that in a town with no railroad, that every <laughs> night you just hear, wow, <laughs> so oh, I love that. good. Uh, do you have one to send us home, Scotty? I'll do a just real quickie. I'm going to give us a real quickie, and we're going to wrap this bananas up tight. Uh, children evacuated from swimming pool after prosthetic leg mistaken for pedophile. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Felicity Mose for The Independent wrote this. An entire class of children was evacuated from a swimming pool after a prosthetic leg was mistaken for a pedophile. Oh, teachers at Kings Hill Primary School in Kent spotted a leg poking out from a cubicle whilst taking their class uh, of year four children swimming at a leisure center after alerting the staff and evacuating 60 children from the pool. Head teacher Carrie Thomas told the Kent Messenger, quote, one of the members of the staff had seen it. We quickly, quickly moved the children out and everything was dealt with in accordance to school policy. Upon investigation, it was found that the leg belonged to a disabled man who had left it on the floor of the cubicle while he went for a swim. Oh, See, man. Now, this my is... mind immediately Woo. went to the leg being in the pool and touching somebody by accident yes. and people yeah. being really on edge and leaving. But this is yes. still a great example of people being really on edge and not just going around the corner to see what the yes. leg is attached to, if anything yes. at all. Here's a question, though, and I think this is probably an issue of language. When they say cubicle, do they mean a toilet stall? Mm. I don't know. But I it was only one leg. A, I think they might mean a toilet stall. So yeah, that if probably. you have children changing in a bathroom and you see an adult man leg, maybe that's the issue. Because I don't understand. Like, a cubicle is so confusing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why is there a cubicle at the, at the, at the pool? <laughs> you know, you got to apply for jobs. You take a swim. You're thinking about your future. You, you sign on to Monster.com. coming in. You never know. <laughs> yeah, you, you attach a few rezos and get it out the door. But yeah, I just, I agree with you. It's like, uh, instead of evacuating uh, 60 year four children, maybe just send the tallest teacher to like lean around the cubicle yeah, and go like, door. hi, no pedophiles, please. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> it's got a happy ending. No, the guy got his leg back. Yeah. The kids are safe. We're all about safe Everybody's kids on okay. the bananas Everybody's podcast. okay. <laughs> Thank you. And who sent that in? Uh, I believe that was a me. That might have been me. Uh, yeah. Nice work, Scotty. That, that might have been a, a Scotty Landis. That was a me. Rhea. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. Oh. Thanks for having This was so fun, you guys. What a great show. Oh, come back anytime. We and take everybody it go easy. buy Rhea's new album. Pull yourself up by your bootleg. <laughs> Pull right. Right? yourself up yeah, by that's your bootleg. You nailed it. Go to I Apple Music. I always almost want to say boot, bootstrap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a mistake and messing up my own joke. So, <laughs> Well, I'm excited. No, no, no. I'm going to go buy it right now. Oh, so thanks, Kurt. Let's do it in the car. Yeah, thanks for um, having me. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bananas. Bananas. This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced and engineered by Katie Levine. Theme music by Kahan. And all of our artwork is done by Travis Millard. 
You can follow us on Instagram at The Bananas Podcast, where we post stories every day and things that we don't cover on the podcast. Listen, subscribe, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're interested in advertising on Bananas, please email us at thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. That's thebananaspodcast at gmail.com.